Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the annual plan and also to download a training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. In celebration of the 200th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, I am giving away a free template. It's a $24.99 value. I'm giving that away to help you fight business email compromise or BEC. So if you want to hear what it is, learn about it, and then download it before it's too late. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 200, celebrating my 200th episode by giving away a free template to help fight business email compromise. Let me first start off by saying that when I first started this podcast in October of 2018 to talk about vendor setup and maintenance activities or processes to prevent fraud, regulatory fines, and just overall bad vendor data, I actually thought that I was going to be like the millions or high um, percentage of other podcasts that start get about seven or eight episodes in, don't have anything else to talk about. And then that's just going to be the end of that. Lo and behold, um, from October, 2018 until now, August of 2022, I am at my 200th episode and I have no end of, uh, vendor process or fraud or any of the activities surrounding onboarding and maintaining your vendors. I have no shortage, I guess is a better way to say it, of information to talk about. So these podcasts, hopefully I will be celebrating my 300th, 400th, 500th, um, and on as far as uh, episodes go, as long as you guys keep listening. And let me just say, I don't have a large um podcast listener base, but those of you that listen are very loyal and I want to thank you for that. And that's part of the reason why I'm giving away this free uh, download because I know a lot of you don't have the budget or training budgets to uh, go out there and download or purchase content. And so I wanted to say thank you and uh, give you a free resource that can help you avoid business email compromise because the fraud guys is still out there. You know that. I know that the fraudsters are just getting better at trying to avoid the traps or the uh, mitigations that either your IT team put into place or that um, 
maybe your software has in place. And more and more, it is uh, really relying on the authentication techniques that you have in place, the internal controls that you have in place, the best practices, really, it's really relying on the processes that you have in place to avoid fraud. And this vendor banking form is one of the steps that I recommend that all accounts payable teams or procurement teams or whoever handles the vendor master file function that they implement in order to avoid fraud. So, so that that's it, folks. That's the free giveaway is the uh, vendor banking form. But don't go anywhere because I am going to talk about um, what business email compromise is, although I'm sure you all know how that vendor banking form helps and how to download it. Uh, I'll give you the code in order to get it at zero cost. And then I'll talk about what you need to do once you do get it. Oh, and I'll talk about also how long you have to download it. So let's start with just defining uh, business email compromise or a BEC. So business email compromise is really a form of social engineering. And the way we in accounts payable or procurement or the vendor team see this played out is in email, the vendors will send or who you think are the vendors will send an email with a request to change bank details. And when that request comes in and the banking information is updated on the vendor's record, then when the next payment goes out, that vendor will not receive the payment, but the fraudster will receive the payment. Now, in order to mitigate this fraud, because we all know it's out there, in order to mitigate it, there are internal controls, there are authentication techniques, there are best practices that you can put into place in order to, again, mitigate that fraud. And one of the ways or one of the controls best practices, whatever you want to call it, that I recommend that you put into place is to authenticate the data. Now, I also talk about authentication as far as the requester, so you can verify that you're getting this information in from your vendor and not from a fraudster. And actually, that is a whole separate subject in itself. And I will put a link. I do have a YouTube channel where I post vendor master file tips of the week every Tuesday. It's very short, but one of them is on authentication. And I talk about authentication of the requester. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes so you can watch that video if you are interested. All right, so let's get back to authenticating the data. What do I really mean by that? And really, how does the vendor banking form or what I call on a lot of the webinars and blogs and maybe even a couple podcast episodes where I talk about it. Uh, I call it a company branded ACH form, but the template that you're going to download is called a vendor banking form. Now you can call it whatever you want, but what it does is, is it uh, assists in identifying red flags by requiring certain data in order to add a vendor's banking or to update a vendor's banking. And so what do I mean by that? So when you look at the vendor uh, banking form, the vendor banking form itself uh, can 
or I would say should replace your collection of the vendor banking information uh, on a you know vendor letterhead or bank authorization letter or a bank statement or letterhead from the bank because all of that can be forged. Even the copy of the voided check, all of that can be forged. And by the way, if they give that to you, sometimes depending on the vendor, they've kept that information for a long time, right? And so some of that may have changed. It may not even be valid anymore. Lots of times the routing numbers, because these banks merge and are acquired all the time and the routing numbers change and the vendors never pay any attention to that. So my recommendation is, is that if you do still collect that, uh, that those separate documents, collect them in addition to the vendor banking form. All right. So the vendor banking form, what it includes on it, it has uh, one, two, three, four, five sections. The first section is the payee information. And so this section is uh, contains the uh, tax ID, so the EIN, SSN, or I-10. It also has the payee name. It also has the remittance address uh, as printed on their invoice. And uh, all of these are really good, by the way, to, con- uh, to compare to what's in your accounting system or ERP if this is an existing vendor. And remember, a lot of you guys went through this lot um, the past couple of years. Some of you may still be in it when you're converting a check payment method vendor to a uh, ACH or electronic payment method. And so you're going to have existing vendor data in your ERP. It's not always an ad vendor, although it could be, but you're going to have existing vendor data in your ERP. And so if you're collecting the tax ID, if you're collecting the payee name, the remittance address, uh, that can help you to compare against what's in your ERP to verify that it is the correct, uh, that it is the correct vendor. And so that is what I mean by authenticating data. I don't think it should be used uh, alone in itself, and we'll get to the rest of the sections, but it is still good. It's also really good for those of you that use uh, accounting systems or ERPs like PeopleSoft, where you have locations that you enter in the banking and those locations are tied to specific addresses. Now you have on the form the specific address that you need to tie this banking to. So you're welcome on that one. So it does include that. It also includes the country, so not just the address, um, but also the country. And what I like to compare this to is also include the address of the financial institutions, including the country, and compare the country of the vendor to the country of the bank. And if those two countries are different, that could be a red flag for fraud. Now, also in the payee uh Identification is the name and title of the person that is uh, um, the contact information. So it could be the person that is filling out the form, but it could be someone else as well. So the name and title, their phone number. And then I have two different email addresses. One is the email address for the contact. And the next one is the email address that you want to send the remittance to. And those can be two different email addresses. So there are spots or fields to uh, include both. Now, the next section uh, is the new financial information. So if you have a new vendor 
or if you have an existing vendor that was previously paid by check, they're going to fill out this new financial information and includes the account type, checking or savings. You know, you need that. Uh, also includes the currency. So for those of you that pay in different currencies, now the vendor can enter that in. Now, as far as the financial t- uh, institution information or the bank uh, branch Uh, info, it does require the name, their address. And again, that does include country. And then it does require the name on the account. So the bank account holder's name, um, whether it is a uh, ACH or wire, and it could be uh, a routing number, has a feel for the routing number, whether it's a routing, SWIFT, or BIC, and um, BIC code that is uh, able to be used on the SWIFT network, I should say it that way. So, And that's for non-US banks that do not use an IBAN. They won't have a routing number. They'll have that BIC code. And then um, it will be a feel for the account number. Now this account number, if you have a vendor that is uh, that has an IBAN, a non-US vendor that has an IBAN, then they will put the IBAN in the account number field. So that is for a new uh Uh, new banking that is going to be set up. And again, this is all that they would need to fill out um, for a vendor that is a new vendor to you or a vendor that uh, is was previously on a check payment uh, method. And I don't it's not the only thing they have to fill out on the form, but this is the only banking that they have to fill out on the form because they don't have existing banking with you. Now I say that because the very next section is the prior financial information or the prior banking. So if they have a banking on file and you've received a request to change it, then they need to provide this information. So it's the exact same thing as the new financial information. So the account type, checking your savings, currency, um, financial institution name and address along with the country, the name on the account, the prior um, uh, or the routing number, SWIFT or BIC, and then the uh, account number or IBAN. And this could be another great check too, because if the country on the new banking is different from the country on um, the old banking, then that is a huge red flag. Another red flag is if you get pushback, if you get pushback and someone says, They do not have the prior financial information. Um, You have to ask yourself, well, if you have the authority to get the new banking uh, or access to get the new banking and the authority to give me a request to change it, why don't you have the access and the authority to obtain the existing banking? So that's a huge red flag. And this is a big obstacle that if you're existing or that if that uh, request is from a froster, they will just terminate the request and never respond to the email and go on to the next potential victim. That's not asking these types of questions. Now, I will say um, I have some clients that instead of or in addition to asking for the prior banking, they'll also ask or they'll ask instead for the last three payment dates and amounts. Um, that works uh, as well. I just don't happen to have it on this form. I actually like requesting the full banking uh, uh, 
previous banking or the banking that you have on file in your ERP, and then using that to compare. All right. So again, prior banking required for all bank changes. And if they don't have it, that is a red flag. Now, the next section, this is the fourth of five sections, is contact information. And this is another area where if you have a new vendor that does not have um, existing um, information for you to compare it to, then you can uh, require, and I I, not all my clients do this, but I recommend they require the contact name of the internal employee that your vendor has a relationship with. And this could uh, be very good for you if you have lots of non-PO vendors, right? You've got uh, internal employees out there that are that have the relationships with them and then uh, they can add those employees. And if there are any other red flags uh, in the email or on this vendor banking form, you can always reach out to that internal employee and get more information or verify who you are dealing Dealing with. And my recommendation again is to require it, especially for new ads. And on this form, I do have that new ad requests must include contact information. And so it's asking for their name, their email address, their phone number, uh, and their fax number. Now, let me just say before you go fax number, I will tell you that I'm probably going to have an episode on fax numbers upcoming. Uh, At some point, I'm trying to get a guest on to talk about it because I thought faxes, uh, uh, I didn't consider them secure because a lot of faxes nowadays are in... um, what what is that common areas right and so these faxes come off and you know anyone could have access as walking up to it especially if it's a multifunctional device and you don't have secure print on then the fax is going to come on that banking information is just sitting there for anybody to go through the um, pile of printed items to find their one thing they're Uh, they then have access to uh, this banking information so i'm not a big fan of faxes But uh, I read something about the fact that they cannot be intercepted like emails can. And so now the wheels are turning. So more to come on that fax number. Don't kind of poo-poo it like I did. Keep it on there or you can can change it if you want. But it may be um, more to come on fax numbers that may surprise you. All right. So that was the fourth section. Now, the last section is the certification. And this is the section where uh, it's really the acknowledgments uh, and then the where they sign and you can put whatever you want to here. I do have a base of three acknowledgments that have to do with uh, originating um, in a U.S. bank and making sure that they don't swipe it out to a not the full amount to a non-U.S. bank. And that's kind of per um, uh, OFAC. Right. And then there's one about um, initiating ACH or wire payments. And then if you do require the voided check bank statement, um, bank, banking information on vendor or bank letterhead, then they attest that they have attached it. If you don't um, require that you can take that off, but I don't have any um, any issues with collecting it. I just have an issue with only collecting that. If you collect it, just attach it to the vendor banking form. 
All right. And then they have some place to sign. And the signature is a digital signature. And by the way, this whole form is completely fillable. So they can fill it. Um, they can type in it and then sign it and then send it to you. All right. So that is the form. And I hope in going through the five sections, it really talked about how um, this form can help you to avoid uh, external fraud or that business email compromise. First off, it is asking for authenticating data, uh, especially for a new uh, an existing vendor. So you can compare it to what's in your vendor master file. For new vendors, it's asking for uh, contact information for the internal employee they have business with uh, or they're doing business with. So you can contact them if you have any red flags. Uh, it's also um, comparing the country of the vendor bank uh, the of the vendor address with the vendor bank, whether it's the new or the existing banking, if they're changing it. And so if those countries are different, that's a huge red flag. And then uh, don't forget to change the form every year because uh, if you receive a old form, you know that you just didn't give that form out uh, through the authentication process um, that I talk about uh, in the link in the video that I'm going to link in the description from my YouTube channel. And then lastly, do not post this um, on your website because if you do, then uh, that gives the uh, one, the frosters, uh, the ability to download and submit this as if you've already authenticated them. But you also want to make sure that you don't give them a heads up on what you're going to be asking. All right. So that is the vendor banking form, that company brand ACH form that I talk about um, all the time. And so that's that's what it is. That's how it can help you. Now, here's how to download it and get it at no cost. I will put a link in the description. Actually, I keep saying description. I really mean show notes. I will put a link in the show notes to my page on my website, to the store um, page for the vendor banking form. Once you get there, go ahead and add it to your cart. Now, in the cart, you can use discount code 200th episode 200th and then the word episode e-p-i-s-o-d-e so 200th episode all one word that is the discount code and when you put in that discount code the price will reduce from $24.99 to zero dollars and you can download it at no cost now, that's not all you need to do because once you get it, you do need to customize it. Now, it is a PDF form. And so if you have a PDF editor like Adobe Acrobat, then you're set to go. All you have to do is go in there and click edit PDF, and then you'll be able to customize it with things like your address, your phone number, your fax, your email, your company name, as well as your logo uh, as well. And then look at the rest of the pieces um, of the, or the sections of the form. Um, for example, I indicate as every, all forms do, right? Um, everything in red, 
that has a red asterisk is a required field and you can adjust that as you need to. I don't recommend that you do, but you know, you can't get everything past leadership. So if you do need to adjust that, make sure you look at everything that is in red that is required and uh, revise it based on your company uh, processes or policy. Uh, Also, I talked about adding in your contact information. Uh, I have quite a few uh, clients now that will not add in their address or their phone or their fax. They will only add in an email and it'll be a return to and the generic accounts payable or vendor maintenance uh, email address. So think about whether or not you actually need to include anything other than your company name, your logo, and your email address where they need to return it. And you need to do that on page one and then also on page two. And page two is just the instructions. But I do have a section at the bottom where it identifies where they need to return the form to. So make sure you look through all that. Make sure you customize it. Uh, Anything in blue is your Uh, contact information, your company name, and then anything in red is a required field. So make sure you go through both, uh, both of those and update as necessary. Now, if you don't have Adobe Acrobat, the editor's version, or you're not able to edit it, a PDF using Adobe Acrobat, maybe you have something else. There are some other tools out there I know that people love uh, instead of Adobe Acrobat for editing PDF. So go forth and prosper with that. I will tell you, I use one of the most popular ones because I thought it was going to save me some time because I actually do customize a lot of these forms. Uh, for my clients. And I will tell you, I worked for an hour on that thing. And all of a sudden I got an error and I got a message that said, oopsie, there was an error. My bad. And then that was the end of that. I didn't get a chance to recover anything. I just wasted an hour. So now I kind of stick with uh, Adobe Acrobat, but there are other tools out there and maybe that was all user error. So use whatever PDF editor you have a license for or found free. So that was how to download and then what to do with it after you downloaded it. So the next and the last thing is, well, for how long? How long do you have? Well, you have one week until the 201st episode is published next Thursday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you have until next Thursday, August 25th at 5.59 a.m. to download this vendor banking form, company branded ACH form at no cost. So make sure you do not miss out on this free download, my present to you in celebration of the 200th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast. I thank you for listening. It is really appreciated. All right. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 200th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. 